Well, glad that you tuned in today to the Calvary Coffee Hour. Uh, This is Charles, and today's episode is episode one, and we're looking at just kind of an introduction of me and Travis and kind of what we're trying to do with our podcasts here. But uh, you'll hear a little bit of information about us, where we grew up, what we're doing in ministry, what our heart is. And so we hope that you'll take this time uh, to really enjoy uh, this moment with us. And so thank you so much for tuning in. And here we go. Well, we are glad that you were tuned in with us today. Um, we we are trying to uh, figure this piece out and how to not sound stupid uh, in your earphones or in your car as you drive and do. Um, but uh, as we stated earlier, uh, this is I'm Charles, and I've got Travis over here with me. And we wanted to do a time where we could come together with you guys and talk through uh, different aspects of church, ministry, life, um, coffee. Um, so... Just want to welcome you to a time where we get to be together, we get to talk, and you can hopefully chime in, listen, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about what we're going to be doing uh, later. But we want to spend the first few moments uh, as we do this kind of helping you get to know us a little bit, and as we bring in other guests and things like that over the time that we do this, uh, we'll give you time to get to know them. But for the most part, we're going to be here hopefully every time. If one of us is out, we'll figure it out. But uh, for the most part, it's going to be me and Travis uh, hanging out with you guys. So across from me, I've got Travis Cox. Uh, Travis is the student and college pastor here at Calvary Baptist Church. And so, uh, Travis, what's up, man? That's the most awkward introduction ever. That's hey. not the most awkward introduction ever. I mean, I guarantee you there's been more awkward introductions okay, in the history probably. of life. But, um, think but, of, I mean, what was it? John Travolta years ago, like couldn't even say Adita Men, uh, what's her name? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking Adita about. Adita Menzel or whatever her name is. And he, he butchered that pretty bad. And she had to, she had to walk up. And so funny thing about the interest. So when I did my, um, when I did my ordination service at West Baptist church in Batesville, Arkansas, me and Melina were just dating at that time. Like we knew that we were going to get married and things like that. We were still dating though. Yeah, I was yeah. poor in seminary and I couldn't buy a ring. Of course. Um, and so we are there and the pastor that I had kind of grown up with for years there was still there. He was doing my ordination service. He introduces me as Charles Ricard. And I was like, that's fantastic. Uh, I'll, <laughs> but it's fine. I mean, if the, if the scammers can't even get it right, I can't expect my pastor to get it right. <laughs> and, um, but then he decided to introduce Melina. He, <laughs> her maiden name is LaBeouf. Um, he, he had no clue how to pronounce any of it. So he asks her to stand up to the name Melinda DeBoof. <clears throat> her name is Melina LaBeouf at that time, not Melinda DeBoof. <laughs> and so we still talk That's about it. That's pretty close. Yeah, we still, pretty talk, close. we still talk about how funny it is. Like on my ordination service and all these people around there, there to like pray and do. She Support has, you. She has to stand up. Supposedly, these are the people that know you very well. So I would say that your introduction was probably better than me okay, having yeah. to say like, I could have said Travacoy. <laughs> like your friend. No part of my ancestry comes from France. So, anyway, Travis uh, is a college <laughs> guy here at the church. Uh, Travis, you're a Nacogdoches native. Yeah, sort of. So, I'm a knack rat, not a bin. Nice. So, for the people that aren't from Where were here. Where you born? I was born in Plano. 
so Dallas area. Oh, so you're fancy enough. So, yeah, grew up uh, first four years of life in Coppell, but then we moved to Knack. Um, so been here for basically all that I remember. Um, but yeah, Knack rat, not a bin. Nice, nice. I, I guess I could be a Knack rat at this point. How, how many how, years does it take to be a Knack rat? I don't remember what the like... <laughs> Wait, there, there's, there's, actual, there's, there's actual, actual qualifications. Yeah, wow. no, we learned about this in high school. Um, <laughs> this is what y'all do in history class instead of U.S. history. Yeah, no, <laughs> Nacogdoches history is more important. Well, well, congratulations on being a NAC rat. Proud of you. I'm glad you're yeah. not a Ben, born in NAC. And um, I guess, I don't think that's a bad thing. Depends how much you like Nacogdoches. I, <laughs> I mean, my kids are Ben's at this point, so um, sorry, kids. But uh, but you're you're. No, but we love our town. Yeah, we love it. It's fantastic. Um, it's just interesting. I think it's interesting the way towns come up with different ways to describe the people in their town. You know, like I wonder what. There's got to be other towns that are like, oh yeah, we're this or we're that, and and Nac, we're like we're just Nac rats. I mean, yeah, like when. The, the brief time that I lived in San Francisco, it's like people were really proud to be from the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. Like super proud. And I feel like NAC, like people are either like super proud or like they don't care at all. So by being proud of the Bay Area, like what like what, what would that look like? Well, just because people, you know, it's diverse and it's innovative. You've got the Apple and the Facebook and the Google and, the you know, they're just proud of where they work and they're proud of the food and which the food is really good out there. But so, so was it one of those things like, I'm from the Bay Area. Yeah. Oh. And you know, SF proper, or if you're from like Oakland, you're more gangster, or <laughs> from Sausalito, it's like you're even more ritzy than the San Francisco people. And yeah. So we need to plan a church in Sausalito. If anybody would come. We only need like two, I think, right? And then yeah, you should oh, be it would be self-funded. <laughs> yeah, self-funded at that point. Um, that's kind of like when we did a mission trip to Chicago, uh, we would go and they were like, yeah, there's like these 20 something different, like, uh, neighborhoods in Chicago. And it's so interesting in all of the state of Illinois, the majority of the population is in Chicago. And, uh, so they have all these different neighborhoods and each one is diverse and unique in its own way. And there was one point we literally crossed the tracks to do something and the whole community changed from uh, one complete type. And then you cross the track and it's like all these ritzy bungalows, you know, these 1300 square foot homes going for like $600,000. And I'm like, golly, <laughs> I couldn't imagine. So um, anyway, so that's Towns. SFA, you graduated SFA, right? Yeah. So um, originally I thought I was going to go to Texas A&M uh, was not the most intelligent senior and waited really late to apply, not realizing that there's thousands of people trying to get into A&M. <laughs> and so uh, I got this really nice letter from A&M saying, uh, hey, we appreciate you wanting to be here. And like everything looks real good, but we've already admitted more freshmen than we're supposed to. So like try again next semester. <laughs> so uh, my plan was to just go to SFA, knock out some basics, uh, save some money, stay at home, and then uh, ended up really liking SFA. Nice. And met a lot of cool people and got involved with different things and uh, yeah, grew to love the community and just enjoyed staying here. Yeah. And you did a degree in philosophy. Is that right? No. Um, way off. Way off. I no, no, not entirely. My minor was philosophy. I have no clue who you are. So <laughs> yeah. We've only worked together for like a year. It's yeah. Cool. It's, it's only been a year. Not even a year. Well, I mean, I can't make fun of you because I don't know what your undergrad is. Well, that's, so. well, you'll find out. We'll get there. But yeah, so my undergrad was uh, a 
interdisciplinary degree. My diploma says uh, BA in liberal studies. So if you see that, don't think like liberal politics. It's like no, no, social for, social for, for, sciences and for, social for studies. studies. And yeah, no. So my emphases were in psychology, which I love whenever you tell people that you studied psychology, they're like, are you reading my mind? It's like, that's not what psychology <laughs> is. Um, that's, a, that's a different type of psycho. Okay. And it's not, that's not me. No. Uh, so I did psychology, sociology, and world religions. World religions. So at the time, I uh, had already felt called to ministry and was thinking that um, that I might go the missionary, international missions, church planting kind of route. Um, I had been to Ecuador with First Baptist on a couple of trips. Really enjoyed the people and the culture. And um, so I just decided to make a degree that was studying nothing but people and culture and thinking like, hey, if I'm going to go be in a different place that thinks and lives differently, like let me study culture and how people live and how other religions think and that kind of stuff. So I um, thought it would be really helpful as a missionary. And obviously I'm still in Nacogdoches and not a missionary. <laughs> so, But I still think the degree prepared me well for seminary because it was like, you know, I'm perfectly comfortable talking to people that think and believe differently than me. Yeah. That's, that's cool. And that's a more, but I think that's a more common thing even in Nacogdoches now. Like you're going to find um, people that believe and act and think different than you do. And I think we're seeing a current trend coming in. It's nice that we are, are protected in Nacogdoches under this kind of a bubble of uh, kind of legacy, long-term Christian values, morals, backgrounds. So we have this, this massive, um, I don't want to call it a worldview because I don't think it's a worldview. <laughs> Uh, I think it's more of a uh, lifestyle. So there's 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 this lifestyle that exists. Of people might say, "Well, you you can't say that," you know, in public. <laughs> and then, uh, in, in the same breath, they'll say the same thing to their buddy. Um, so it's like there's this understanding that exists, but then at the same time, people believe stuff completely odd and different and and backwards from all of that. So. I find that to be incredibly interesting. Um, so I see it, how it could work. And I'm a people watcher. Uh, I'm an eavesdropper. So if you ever <laughs> are sitting behind me in a booth, I'm probably listening to your conversation. Um, not paying attention to my spouse at all. Sorry. But, um, but she eavesdrops too. So it's, it's fine. Like that, Our conversation is your conversation. So <laughs> you just don't know it yet. Never um, sit by Charles in a coffee never shop. Never sit or... by me in a coffee If you don't want me to overhear what you're talking about, sit far away from me. Um, but yeah, so I think that degree works. And then you went to Midwestern. You didn't like, so I did the Midwestern online route. You actually moved you and your wife to Kansas City and said, hey. Yeah, this- so I actually started online um, right after finishing at SFA. I worked for a little over a year at Love Inc. here in town. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that I still wanted to do more vocational ministry, not like parachurch ministry. Um, so I started Midwestern Online, did a couple classes, and um, they were great. And I, I loved those, but I knew that I'd get way more out of it if I could actually be there in person. Yeah. Um, and so at the time, Felicia was finishing her undergrad as well. And then um, she was looking at counseling degrees. And Midwestern had this super awesome scholarship that if you and your spouse both were full-time students, you got 50% off one of your tuitions. Fantastic. And that was, you know, on top of the 50% off for being Southern Baptist. So Fantastic. we did our master's for way cheaper than most people do their master's. So that's awesome. So you guys got married, though, in the middle of your undergrad, right? Is that right? 
Yeah, I mean towards the end, but we towards were still end. still and in school. She's from San Francisco, right? No, her family's from Fresno, California. Fresno. So it's like three hours south, oh, or depending yeah. on traffic. So you like covered yeah. the whole state in three hours, right? Oh no, <laughs> it's not like Texas, right? Uh, top to bottom, kind of. It's just not as wide. <laughs> not as wide. Yeah, I deep, mean deep, not wide. Because even it's like three hours from San Francisco, but then it's like <clears> another four to L.A. And then you still have all the way from like L.A. to San Diego and then down to the border. So California's but, a... But four hours is like just getting into L.A., right? Like you, it probably only takes you like two hours to drive there. But once you start getting closer, like it takes you two hours just to get like to anywhere cool. Yeah. I mean, it just depends. <laughs> L.A. is so crazy. This is not what we came here to talk about, but... Uh, sure it is. Sure. We can talk about we, whatever. We get to decide what we talk about. <laughs> One of my friends got married in L.A., and I remember he went to go, like he was like chauffeuring everybody from the airport that was like flying in. And uh-huh. uh, we were all staying at this like beach house in Malibu um, that her family owned. And so he was like, hey, I got to go pick somebody up. And it was like 30 minutes to the airport. And then it took three hours to get back. <laughs> Same roads, just depending <laughs> on the traffic. Road. Just one way in, one way out. It's like, well, yeah. that's like when you like go to Houston. Uh, when when we were visiting Melina's mom and we were like, hey, we're going to go to like Ikea or something. Of course, she's on like the far east side of Houston and Ikea is on like the west side of Houston. And so if we time it just right, like we can go a little bit before rush hour and like no one's trying to get into Houston. Everybody's trying to flee as fast as they can. So it's super quick going in. Uh, but if you like left Ikea and then tried to come back east um, at rush hour, you're going to be stuck in traffic for like an yeah, hour and a half like- just for fun. I mean, and which I have tra- I have. I have kind of quiet road rage. Like it's not really one of those <laughs> things where it's like I'm I'm gonna like shake my fist and like try to run my car into yours. You're not screaming, but there's like right, but there's a lot of, in the background. There's a lot of judgment going on in the back of my mind about drivers, um, which is neither here nor there. Um, yeah, because I remember you were saying that towards the end of that undergrad that you guys had gotten married. She's from Fresno, and was the story that I heard is your mom was like, Oh, please, please, please don't bring back a girl from California. Is that right? Yes. She said, don't come back with a California girlfriend or a tattoo. And (laughs) I did both. (laughs) Sorry, mom. So there's that Exodus part about honoring your father and your mother. You know, part of my testimony is that I'm a sinner just like everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, I guess you could use Felicia's cool, and I think your mom's pretty much okay with her, yeah? Yeah, and what they were just, uh, <laughs> we they were worried that I'd come back with, <laughs> my, my, my parents were concerned that, that that I would find some, like, stereotypical California girl that was, like, super, you know, left-leaning on the political spectrum, gotcha. and, like, Felicia's family's more conservative than my family, by far. That's fantastic. So, so, yeah, that wasn't a problem. It just goes to show that not everybody moving to Texas from California is a bad thing. No, all of my in-laws... You know, they're like low key looking at property in Texas and Tennessee and stuff. And they're not the standard like Californians. They're they're going to vote as red or more red than you. I would uh, I would definitely move to uh, Tennessee if I could. Yeah, I think Tennessee is, uh, you know, if I just had like a spare few million dollars to invest, I'd buy a bunch of land in Tennessee because as soon as enough people turn Texas blue and then Texas residents that love being conservative want to like flee somewhere it's going to be florida or tennessee well that was the weird thing about me growing up in arkansas because it was i I mean growing up you never really think about the red blue thing like it's not really a big deal looking back on it now i didn't realize how like blue my state was now 
that I think part of that is just the whole blue collar aspect of an entire state. Like yeah, it's yeah. not, I mean, there, we talked about it the other day that Melina was, when she first heard I was from Arkansas and we would visit, she was like, well, how many people like live in your town? I was like, uh, like 10,000. And where I'm from, that was considered big city, like big city. In fact, when I first moved here and it was 30,000, I was like, Hey, this is like, this is a great size. Cause <laughs> we moved from like North Dallas to here. And, uh, and then I remember meeting with a youth pastor, uh, who grew up in Sherino and we were sitting there having breakfast and he was like, man, this is big city for me. And I was like, are you, are you serious? <laughs> Like, have you yeah. gone outside of the of the 50-mile range that is Nacogdoches? Because it gets bigger. <laughs> it gets uh, a lot bigger. Um, but we talked about, like, even Houston. The population of Houston in the greater metro area is more than the entire state of Arkansas. And That's so, crazy. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's, it's just weird because in Houston, it's so compacted. I mean, you're talking about suburbs and everything, too. Sure. But, I mean, you're talking about, what, four, four and a half million yeah, I think that live in just that area. And I think Arkansas at that time was like two and a half million, maybe. Um, even our capital is only like 150,000 at that time, I think. Um, it wasn't very big. Um, so it's just interesting, these little pockets and these little ideas when you begin to think outside of Texas, like how small things really are. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. so rabbit trail from me moving to Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> rabbit trail. Um but Kansas City, you did Midwestern, you studied there, yep. and then you moved back to Nacogdoches? Was it just... Yeah, so um, when we decided to move back, um, it was really more for Felicia than myself. Um, like I said, she was studying counseling, and um, Laura Smith, who owns and works at Crossover Counseling, um, she told Felicia, like, if we were ever going to move back to the area or whatever, that she could do her internship here, and we... You know, at the time we didn't have any kids and we were thinking, you know, that's probably in the somewhat near future and it would be nice to be by one of our families whenever that happens. Uh, and for various licensing reasons, she couldn't be a counselor in California mm-hmm. um, with the degree that she did. So uh, that basically meant my family. And uh, <laughs> so we sort of just took it on faith that this was the Lord opening a door and uh, I had no idea what I was going to do. I worked at Java Jacks for one month and then got a job at a bank. And uh, <laughs> I think I remember you at Java Jacks. I think I came through the drive thru. Yeah. And I was like, what's up? And you were like hanging out the window, talking and chilling. And I was like, no one at Java Jacks ever does this. So I don't understand. Yeah. So, well, never mind. I won't go into that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> as you wear your Java Jacks shirt right now. Yeah. Still wear the shirt that they gave me to work there for a month. Um, but, um, yeah, so we moved here for her to do the rest of her counseling licensure and sort of the thought was we'll be here and I'll just work some other job until you're fully licensed and then once you're licensed, then I'll start applying on ministry jobs. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, did that, worked at the bank for a couple of years and then uh, saw that this position was open mm-hmm. and we were loving being here and I was like, well, and that's the interesting thing too, because I think a lot of times, because I remember being on that search team when you had applied and I was like, man, he's from Nacogdoches. Like he's been here in Nacogdoches. He's SFA. He's uh NAC high, like all these things. And I was like, do we really 
want someone who has just been in Nacogdoches and been here, 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 like never really explored. And then when we got into your story, most of your ministry has been done in California or in Kansas City. It's not even really been done in Texas, minus the little bit of time you spent at Love, Inc. working there for that year. Yeah. Uh, Everything else has been the city impact in San Francisco doing missions in the Tenderloin District and then Kansas City just working up there doing coffee shop ministries and small groups and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I also interned under Bobby Smith for the college department at First Baptist when I was at SFA. Yeah. But like, I mean, I had done some ministry here, but, um, but it was, it's not been exclusively. No, no, no. Sometimes you find like in smaller towns, which I say Nacogdoches is a smaller town compared in Texas. In Texas, it's a, it's a smaller town, a uh, smaller city, we'll say. But uh, most of the time you find that people just kind of jump from one place to another place within a small radius. Um, but I mean, the experience that you had outside of Nacogdoches, I think is really probably what prepared you more ministry wise. I would yeah. assume. Yeah, no, I haven't really thought about it that much, but um, I mean, all of those experiences living in the inner city of San Francisco, like I mentioned, I've been to Ecuador mm-hmm. now like six times. Um, time in Kansas City was very different. So all, all of those were definitely defining moments, but um, yeah, but yeah. It's not Glad like to be back though. Yeah, it's not like you were born and raised here and never then left. You, and then you said, "Well, I'm just going to hang around my church." And like Olivia, one of the funny things that she talks about right now is she goes, "Dad, when I grow up, I just want to work at the church with you." And I'm like, "No, <laughs> like, like let's let's dream big, kiddo. Let's let's yeah. like, like well, church, church work church work is fun and all, but yeah, I mean, I think it's natural to like want your kids to <laughs> go somewhere else for a little bit. I mean, even like when I'm talking to the high school students here, a lot of them express some want of like, I got to get away. I got to go somewhere far. And it's like, yeah, do it. Like when I was a high school senior, I did not want to stay in Nacogdoches. Yeah. It took going away and experiencing some other things, other places, other people. And then it's like, oh, but I actually still really like NAC. Um, and uh, I don't know. Do you know who Wendell Berry is? Uh-uh. He's an author. Um, he wrote this book called Jaber Crow and it's fantastic for a whole host of reasons. It's probably my favorite like fiction book. Uh, but it gave me this whole other appreciation for small towns. Um, and I think I read that while we were in Kansas city. And so as much as I loved Kansas city, great barbecue, great coffee, enjoyed my education and all those sorts of things. Um, it really did give me a desire to come back to a smaller community. Yeah. For us, I mean, for Melina and I, when we were, so coming from Arkansas, I, I mean, I, I grew up in Arkansas. I was born in Blytheville, Arkansas. Grew up in Batesville, Arkansas for, golly, I mean, my parents still live in the same house I grew up in. Um, and so growing up there, like I said, a town of 10,000, um, I was, my plan was just to go to the same like school that all my friends went to. I was like, I'm just going to go where my friends go. <laughs> Which was where? Uh, they all went to like University of Central Arkansas, most of them. Some went to Arkansas State University. Um, but you gotta think both of those, like one was like an hour and a half from where I lived. The other one was like two hours, hour and a half from where I lived. Um, and then I was like, well, I'll just go to like university of central Arkansas. I'll major in like music. It'll be fun. And then I ended up, uh, in my junior year, I felt called to ministry, changed all of that around. And I found this little bitty tiny college now university. You can't just be a college anymore. Um, Williams Baptist college university, I guess I should say (laughs) university. Um, in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas. And it's essentially an old Air Force base. Nice. Um, and I, when I went there in the cafeteria, they still had in the tile floor of the cafeteria, 
uh, SBC because it used to be called Southern Baptist College, I think. Yeah. Um, but you could even still go out to the airport that was behind the college. Cause I mean, we stayed, they were still old barracks. There were still old, like the old chapel that we had was the chapel, uh, for the air force base. The admin building was like the old admin building. For them. And then you had these like dome looked like greenhouses, but they were barracks. Huh. And, uh, one of my buddies, he kind of got expelled from school at one point and didn't have a place to live. And uh, so he called one of the guys that owns the barracks. And he's like, yeah, you can stay there. And so he just slept <laughs> in the barracks. Had like a little spot with a space heater and things like that. And that's where he slept. We'd go there and play music and hang out. It was fun. Um, but you could actually go to the airport. And there was a company that had come in. And their whole job was taking apart um, retired Boeings. And so every now and then you go out to the airport and you see this massive Boeing like fly in and land. And they would taxi it over to this place. And they'd disassemble it. But there was a restaurant at the airport. And that restaurant, it was kind of like that, you know, everything in Arkansas is like golden fried. Like so it was still like at, a working airport? Yeah, it's still working. Like it was a like reason, you was, just use the buildings and it's like, oh, here, here's a runway for people to come land on when they need a yeah, place it to was, stop. Well, and it was a little bit further behind like the college, but it was a regional airport. I mean, you could you're fly like in and out of there. planes land every time you go to class or um, not uh, that close? On occasion. I mean, it was. Or not that busy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was a cool spot and there was a golf course behind there too. But it was all flat because it's like an airport. It wasn't, I mean, we were in the part where Arkansas, like everybody's like, oh, you grew up in Arkansas. It's so pretty. I'm like, mm, not, <laughs> not the, my part. <laughs> not my part. Um, my part is pretty up until like you cross over the mountains a little bit and the hills and then it's like flat and that's a lot of cotton and soy and, and farming and agriculture. In fact, uh, I believe it was, was it soy? Soy or rice? One of the two. So you, you pull off the major U.S. highway onto this long driveway that goes into our college and all inside of you was fields just everywhere. And so uh, after harvest, they would burn the fields off. When they did that, all the rats would leave the fields and they would come into the dorms. Um, and we would have to spend most of our time killing mice uh, as they came in through the dorms. But we were just surrounded by fields. Like uh, I remember there's another town just north of us called Pocahontas. Um, and I remember one You're day making this up, right? No, no, no. That's, that's the, it's Pocahontas, Arkansas right uh, next to John Smith. And, uh, no, no, no John Smith. Uh, there was a really is the, the black rivers there too. And we would go and we would get into that and it was the dirtiest river ever. I don't know why we would hang out there. Um, but I remember stepping off the back of the dorm one day and we were watching the news and they were like, Oh, tornado warning, like seek shelter. And we're like, Let's go, Let's stand, go outside. stand outside. Uh, so we went to the back parking lot. Sure enough, you could watch this squall line come across where Pocahontas was. And once we saw it finished, we said, "Let's get in a truck and go." So we hopped in a truck. Me and my buddy Chase, and I think my buddy Jacob, uh, we hopped in a truck, and drove out there, and we just fought. You could follow the trail that we were watching all the way through, and it just just disintegrated parts of the town. Um, but anyway, so, the so air, where'd you study there? Uh, I studied uh, Christian ministry. <laughs> Christian ministry. I literally have no background in That's, anything else other than church. It's it's so weird. I've made a, an entire scholarship out of just church. I mean, I don't think that's like a bad thing, but like what is a for for the person that didn't go to Bible college or like what is a Christian ministry degree compose of? <laughs> well, we spent a lot of time studying um I I'm one of those guys. I'm I'm just smart enough to be stupid. So that's like um so all these other buddies of mine were like, oh, I'm going to take Greek. I'm going to take Hebrew. I'm going to do all these things. And we had some great professors. Dr. Gore, who is now at, uh, I believe he's at DBU, Dallas Baptist University. Dr. Foster is still there at Williams. 
uh, Dr. Norville, he just retired, but, uh, it was, it was a really good community, a tight community of people. And, um, I remember where I studied, uh, Christology, studied Pauline epistles. Um, a lot of the work that I did even in college, I would have found more challenging than what I even did in seminary. Um, it was more applicable and their, their desire though, I think at that time was to train you to be a pastor. Um, because in Arkansas, you, you don't have a lot of full-time pastors, especially in Southern Baptist work. Most of that is going to be bivocational. Um, rarely do you get to just start off in ministry and go right into full-time. Uh, you got to think the medium income is a lot lower in a lot of these small towns and they just need somebody. Um, so they prepare you to be able to do that. So I, I was prepared to go the bivocational route uh, personally. So I studied Christian ministry and I actually minored in mathematics. And so uh, I really liked math in high school. So I just kind of kept going through college. And my plan was to produce a non-traditional licensure through the state and teach secondary math education while doing pastoring on, on the side. Um, and so my professors were like, hey, you know, what do you want to do when you get out of here? And I was like, man, I really love to do full-time ministry, um, especially youth ministry, but I don't really know how that's going to work. And uh, they said, we well, need to go to seminary. I was like, where? And we have, I mean, Memphis has a really great seminary. Mid-America is right there in Memphis. <laughs> Memphis was about an hour and a half from where I went to college. And so I was like, man, I could just go to Mid-America. <laughs> I could still work the little church I was working at doing uh, ministry and they said, Charles, if you really want to go full-time, you need to go study at Southwestern. I was like, all right, well, tell me, like, talk me through that process. And so um, changed all my directions and plans again. So that's kind of a theme of my life. Um, changed directions and plans, moved to Texas. Didn't know, I, I knew one other person that was at Southwestern uh, and she went to Williams Baptist College. She was married, um, good friend. Um, and so that was the only person I knew. So she was kind of like my, Hey, you're going to help, help me out. Here. <laughs> and then I had another friend who a lot of my friends did like Lifeway huge camps, things like that. Yeah, yeah. And so they were like, Oh, I've got a, a friend that was in camp with me that they're going to Southwestern. You got to check them out, look them up. So I spent a lot of my time just trying to meet people, but it was really funny. Like, I don't know if you experienced this at seminary. Of course you were already married when you went to seminary, right? See, yeah. I was like, I was just single. And, uh, but I get there and I meet people and I'm just trying to be friends and like, cause I'm an extrovert through and through. Like I need people around me all the time. And so you'd meet somebody and they were like, Oh, uh, I can't hang out. And I'm like, why? It's like, uh, well, you know, I'm like, look, I'm a dude, you're a girl. It's fine. I have no interest whatsoever. Uh, and then on the opposite spectrum, you get these girls that are like hanging around you all the time. And I'm like, please leave me alone. Like, I just want to be left. I don't want, I don't want anything to do with you. Leave me alone. Um, so we always made that joke of you've got a lot, some, some girls that were there for like their MRS degree and not like a ministry degree, which is, I know that sounds terrible on a podcast, but, um, that's the truth and the reality of it. Um, but then I met, so I went to Texas, started studying with Dr. Ross, Dr. Derwin and Dr. Black, um, really enjoyed it. That's what propelled me a lot to family ministry. Um, and then I met Melina while I was there. She was studying uh, marriage and family counseling when they had that program still. Um, and what was it exactly that you were studying? Oh, I was studying uh, student ministry. It was, it was a Christian education degree with a concentration in student ministry. Okay. So that's my first master's um, was that. And then Melina's got a master's in marriage and family counseling. Um, 
And so I, the story that we met, she, uh, I was working at Starbucks because I, you know, I needed to do something with my extra time working at Starbucks and you get like a free pound of coffee every week. And, uh, she goes, I want, I want free coffee. And I said, I'll give you coffee the rest of your life. And that's kind of how, <laughs> that's kind of, and I'm still, got her. I'm, yeah, yeah, I got her. And I'm still trying to figure that out, like how to get her coffee the rest still of her life. Still making coffee every week. Every week. Um, so anyway, we, we did that and, nice. uh, we started dating, but we had made it pretty explicit. Like we weren't going to, um, we weren't going to get married or anything until we both had finished school. Cause we were like, we, we got too much invested up to this point to get married and then be like, Oh, well I can't finish because we got to, Oh, like I can't. And so we said, let's finish school. And then we'll, and so we did that. Um, I finished that June. I took some winter classes and some summer classes. So I finished in June, got a full-time job at a church, uh, North Dallas in July. And, uh, then she was still at Fort Worth working on her degree. She finished in December. We both kind of technically graduated in December. And then I was still working full-time in the North Dallas area. She moved to, um, she moved back home to Houston and cause we weren't getting married till April. And so she, we did a lot of our wedding planning long distance and that was fun. And she'd come up every now and then and do church and stuff like that with me. But, uh, and then we were that at church at that church for like nine months after we got married, maybe. I don't know, something like that. It wasn't a very long time. I was there like a year and a half. And uh, right around Christmas, right after Christmas, my parents had just left to go back home to Arkansas. They spent Christmas with us. And the next day I go into work and I get an email from my pastor. He's like, hey, um, which I doubt he'll ever listen to this podcast. So I'm not worried <laughs> about it. He's still at that church. Uh, neat dude, just it, he and I didn't mesh. And uh, he said, hey, the elders need to meet with you. Uh, at four o'clock. I'm like, uh, can you tell me what it's about? Oh, we're just going to talk about ministry, <laughs> which I guess they kind of did. Um, it was more, <laughs> it was more of a, Hey, our ministry styles don't match. Um, and we're going to let you go type thing. And I was like, okay, well, can I say bye? And they're like, no. I was like, okay. Um, well, can I at least like pack out some of my stuff in my office? They're like, you can come back tomorrow afternoon. Cause we close at noon. Cause it was a new year's Eve. And they're like, okay. Um, and so it was, it was ministry can be funny. So in it, you can, there's gracious ways to do things. And then there's ways that a lot of guys do to protect themselves. Uh, this church took that position to try to protect themselves. And I think they had been hurt a lot in the past. Uh, I don't think it was any fault of theirs. I think they had just been hurt in the past by other ministers that, that got rubbed the wrong way. And in that process of, of that, they just, they felt like the best thing to do was just to rip the bandaid off and then just wave by. And so I get in my car after I leave that meeting, I get in my car and I open up my phone, which was a church paid phone, which is why I don't agree with church paid phones. Um, <laughs> the church paid phone, I open it up and I go to make a call and they had shut off my phone during the meeting. Well, it's like a 15 minute drive back to my house. Cause the church was in, in little Elm and then I was in Frisco. And so it's like, so anyway, I uh, get in the car, head home, and I knock on the door uh, to my house. Um, well, I think I knocked on the door. Yeah, she had it deadbolted. So I knock on the door, and she opens it up, and she goes, oh, you're home early. Did you get fired? And I was like, actually, yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, what? And so it was interesting. Like We spent that day and the next day, and, and I had a great friend, Andy, who uh, we called, and he was like, man, I'm coming. I'm dropping everything I'm doing. I'm coming tomorrow. 
so he came up and spent New Year's Eve with us and uh, we went to the AT&T store and he said, I'm going to add you as a line on my plan. I mean, he just went crazy for us and took care of us. Um, but we spent about six months there living in an apartment in Frisco. Um, and I started staining and building fences with a guy from the church. And, uh, and it's, I mean, it's fine looking, I mean, at that time there was a lot of anxiety and I think, sure. I wouldn't say trauma, but it was definitely like one of those things where there's a lot of self-consciousness that comes in, I think yeah. in those moments, which we can talk about in another episode. Um, like how, what the effects of being fired from a church, but, sure. um, but I think that whole process kind of got me started to think, well, I want to look for something that is going to be more me. Yeah. And I mean, I feel super fortunate to be here. Cause like, I mean, I know I've not even been here a year yet, but, um, I heard so many horror stories like that at seminary mm-hmm. that like by the time I was getting really close to my degree, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. Like not, yeah. not ministry. Like I still want to tell people about Jesus, but like, there's a lot of horror stories from people who like getting fired in terrible ways from churches and oh yeah it just it, it gets ugly yeah and then you're sitting back and you have to and and, and they look at you like oh well if you would have uh, just done what I said and well that's not really what it's about I mean a lot of times we're doing those things and I think that's kind of the low key behind the scenes people don't know we spend a lot of time actually working on requests from people um, and in a smaller church setting, I think it can be easier to, to manage when, when you're in a church our size, the requests that we get during the week, it's, it's a lot to kind of process and go through and decide how it fits within the, the big jigsaw puzzle uh, of your church. Like, where does this piece fit in completing the puzzle? Um, but anyway, like in that church, we just didn't mesh. Um, and so when we began to explore other churches, there was one up in, in North Dallas that we were praying about, praying about, praying about like, Lord, if you could open this door and man, he was opening a door, opening a door, opening a door, but their process was so slow. I mean, it was like we were three months and we were still trying to like hear from them, like where we were at. So during that time, I remember John Spurgeon was here as the chair of the committee and he said, Hey, we would love to have a phone interview. I was like, sure. And so I did a phone interview and then they called me back and they said, Hey, we would love to have an in-person interview with you. Mm-hmm. And Walt McGarrett was actually on that committee. Nice. And he told me, he said, Charles, when we started looking at like the 300 resumes that we had, you were at the bottom of the pile. And I was like, really? He's like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> like, thanks man. Why? And he goes, that makes well, me feel good. He said, well, um, we saw that you grew up in Arkansas. And we figured you'd just want to go back there. Um, but I was explicitly told when I married Melina that, uh, I was a Texan and I couldn't leave the state. Like that was her, that was, that was <laughs> she, in your vows. Yeah. That was in my vows somewhere, I'm sure. And, um, so anyway, we, inter- we came down here and did like an in-person interview and we really, I mean, like I said, we weren't, we didn't have jobs really. I mean, we were working hourly kind of stuff. Melina wasn't really working anywhere yet. Um, and we came down here on a Sunday to check it out with no desire to move to Nacogdoches at all. Like I couldn't even say the name of the yeah. town and, uh, I even, in fact, I even looked at a, a church in Tyler at one point and I told Melina, I was like, Hey, what would you think about moving to Tyler? And she's like, no. It's like, what do you mean? Scott? I'm not moving to East Texas. I'm not doing it. Like <laughs> she was very adamant. We got here and we sat in for worship, sat towards the back of the sanctuary and worship kicked off. And we were like, what is this? Like we hadn't experienced that in all of our areas and it's just different dynamics. Like North Dallas, there's there's this pressure, I think, in being a church in North Dallas that uh, you have to constantly keep going bigger and bigger and bigger to uh, 
be competitive to other churches. And I think that's the sad part. I think that we get, we get in this church mindset that we have to compete with other churches. And so when we came here, I think we saw something that was actually authentic for our area. We hadn't seen that and just began to fall in love. And then brother Paul, he said, man, well, we met, we met with the team and it was the weirdest thing. You had it easy. <laughs> so when I came here as youth pastor, they sat me in the sanctuary, put all these chairs in a semicircle and then put spotlights on us. And I was like, this is odd. Like, I feel like I'm in an interrogation. Like I couldn't see half the faces for your interview. Yeah. And there was like 15 to 20 people on my team. And I was like, this is intimidating. Um, <laughs> great questions though. The people were really sweet. Um, and a lot of those people that were on my team, I would say 90% of them, 80 to 90% are still here today. And so that was pretty fantastic. But um, we did the interview and then Brother Paul walked around with us and showed us the church. And I think just his approach to ministry, like the way that he approaches people and just his staff, that's what sealed us. It was just so different dynamic than what we, we had done before. And we changed all of our plans. And instead of staying in the Dallas metro area, we moved to deep east texas nice <laughs> like we didn't even realize what the pine curtain was and then we got down <laughs> here we're like that's my allergies are nuts so that's what this <laughs> is so we moved in the summertime which made it even worse um, yeah that was really hot but like we showed up to our duplex and like we had ordered pizza and we thought you know three or four people are going to help us unload like 40 people show up and we're unloaded and set up in our duplex in like half an hour <laughs> it's like oh, that's awesome all right like yeah pretty I sweet uh, I won't say who just because I don't know if they'd be embarrassed or something, but um, whenever the church was voting on me to come here, uh -huh. um, somebody came up to me and was like, whenever we moved here, we visited just about every church in town and this one's the friendliest. Yeah. And, you know, not to knock on any other churches, but like there is something, I don't know, just strangely uh, hospitable yeah. with the people here. And so it's great. It's in the water, I think, or in the coffee, which uh, we brew Pine Curtain Coffee every week. This <laughs> is a selfish plug there. Low-key sponsor. Low-key sponsor, um, but, which I think is important for us, too. Coffee has been a big deal for us. but Yeah, we can do a whole episode on how we got into coffee. We may do that. We'll do that later. Wait, wait, that's a later time. Most people won't care right now. <laughs> no, nobody's going to care. Um, so okay, yeah. so that was just youth ministry? That I, when, well, I, when I came here, I was youth and college. It, okay, so that similar position you, started yeah. that way. Yeah. And, and it was, but again, the whole, even the college ministry was different around here. I mean, Great Escape at first was about the only thing that was really big and going. The BSM was, was moving and big and going. And Gary had only been here, I think a couple of years at that point when I got here. Um, and then Fredonia had hired Pat and then they hired Kendall and then their college ministry began to grow. Um, and then Grace Bible always had a big college ministry that was just growing. And so we were kind of in the middle of that. Um, we, I think though, we never had an anticipation to be real big and was it, as it came to college ministry, because we, we realized that as a church, uh, our resources were to continue to be multi-generational and we had to con concentrate on that. So we really focused a lot on youth ministry, uh, family ministry, introducing a lot of that concept. Um, and when I came here, the, the youth group was like eight, I think. And so I had come from a church where I was running 150 to eight and I was like, okay, big how change. I, yeah, how am I going to do this? Uh, and I had very limited resources. Um, uh, it, I was just like, okay, this is way different than what I came from, but we're going to make this work. And within a year um, of me being here, we had gone from eight to 40. And I was like, this is nuts. Like, I'm not used to this. 
and that snowballed from there in a in, in a good slash bad way uh a good way in that i got to meet a lot of new kids and a lot of new families and a lot of new faces and it was awesome but we went from 40 to 80 within two months um the problem with that is we just weren't prepared like we weren't prepared with leaders we weren't prepared with volunteers we weren't prepared like our facility wasn't even ready for that and so yeah i can't imagine having 80 in our youth room right now oh it was uh, it was a lot um and but it was good I, I think that that was a fun time got to meet a lot of kids and i still get to talk with those kids and hang out with them i see them and in fact some of them have gotten married have families they've come back they've joined the church um, and it's just good getting to have that interaction with them. So, so how um, long were you, I should know this, but how long did you do youth before you transitioned into what you're doing now? Um, seven years. Okay. Yeah. Seven years. I think I've been doing, cause we came here in 2010. So I'm, I'm finishing up my 12th year, I guess. Yeah. Cause my 10th year was during the pandemic. So 12th year. Um, so I'll be doing this position now for about f- five years, um, that I've been doing it now. And that was a weird transition to, uh, I had just finished. So right at the end of my youth ministry time here, I had gone back to school and I studied church revitalization, um, mainly because I looked at even our church and I'd seen kind of some areas where we needed renewal and growth. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to research it anyway, let me at least get a degree out of it. So I went to Midwestern online and did a whole nother masters in church revitalization. And, um, right as that was ending, um, our admin guy had to leave because his just family stuff like mom wasn't doing well and, and he needed to step away. And so we said, all right. And brother Paul said, Hey, what would you consider like applying for that? I said, I, I, let me, let me think about it, pray about it. And, uh, talk to Melina. She goes, Oh yeah, you'd be great. And I'm like, really? Like, I feel like I'd be terrible. <laughs> uh, but there was a lot, I mean, there was a lot of growth from, I think my first time here, my first year here as a youth pastor to like my seventh year here as a youth pastor. Uh, first year it, it, I was real indecisive. I was afraid that I would make the wrong decision and get fired. I mean, that was kind of like, I still had that carried over. Sure. Uh, anytime Paul would want to talk to me, you know, he does that thing where he's like, Hey, if you got a second, come on, yeah. I want to talk to you. I'm like, Oh, it's no. like what I do. Yeah. Oh, I did something bad. Did, did someone complain. What, I said what happened? I, I, mean, I used to get in trouble for saying uh, turd uh, a lot in the pulpit. He didn't like that too much. Um, <clears throat> yeah, probably not the best. Yeah. It wasn't the best, best phrasing. And, uh, but anyway, so so he had anytime he would call me in, I would get real nervous. And then after years, you know, you just build up that confidence a little bit more. So towards the end, uh, people would be like, "Hey, what are we gonna do?" It's like, "Well, we're gonna do this, 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 and this." And students are like, "Well, I want to do this." That's like, "Well, I don't care what you want to do. I mean, I'll put you on a Greyhound bus and send you home. Like, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> uh, and I'll have your parents pay for it at the end of the day." And they're like, oh, uh, uh, uh. So it's fine. Teenagers are way easier to work with than adults. You can't look at a senior adult when they start giving you grief and you go, well, I'm going to put you on a Greyhound bus and send you home. They're going to be like, no, you're done. And so um, there's just some different dynamics on that, which our senior adults aren't like that. But um, <laughs> it's just funny. I was just trying to picture you trying that on somebody <laughs> just to see like what the reaction yeah. would be like. <laughs> yeah, I, I can tell you the reaction right now. I, I'd be uh, shopping around for an <laughs> RV so I could live. Um, so we... Um, We've been, I mean, we've been here. We've been enjoying it. We we always kind of felt, I think, that our, our time here was temporary. I think we always felt it was uh, just a resting spot for us. But the more and more that we go into another year and the more and more that we do ministry here, it just, I don't know, it just seems to be a, a better fit for us every time that we, we turn around. I don't think there's really a desire 
in my heart to be a big, well-known, like, look how many books I've written. I'm not trying to be a mega church pastor. Yeah, I mean, I can barely write my name well, much less write a book. So I don't think, like I said, I'm just smart enough to be stupid. And so, um, but anyway, yeah. So it's it's a it's a very long rounded way about kind of where I'm from, but most of my degrees, most of my education is church ministry. So that's awesome. Yeah. But well, we we've eaten up a lot of time. Yeah, we've gone longer than yeah, I thought I, we would. I think yeah, I think we've gone a lot longer. So uh, well, one of the things that we are going to hopefully do each week is we're going to talk a little bit about coffee. I think each week that's kind of well, that's kind of our passion is coffee, and we enjoy it. Um, and then one of the things we're looking at too is, um, for those of you who are listening, we want to do kind of this idea of uh, you giving us questions and then we can answer those questions um, maybe as a part of our segment of what we do. But really, I think our desire is to uh, find relevant topics to you either culturally or um, through like you know church growth, church discipline, church things like that. Um, even talking about things in our community, so stuff that's coming up and how we can continue to support that and be a part of that. So um, this is just a time for for you to communicate those things with us and then hopefully we can try our best to uh, flesh those things out. And every now and then we'll have guests on here. Um, I know Brother Paul really wants to be a part of what we're doing in some form or fashion. So uh, we'll see. I'm sure he's got some really good stories that he could oh, tell. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, his... Uh, if they're anything like Sunday morning uh, colloquialisms, then I think that we're going to be <laughs> uh, in for a real treat. And then we're really trying, we, what we want you guys to do more than anything else, though, we really want you to talk to Nathan every single week and make him be on here because he's uh, he is doing really good at practicing boundaries right now, and we really need that wall to be broken. So, um, but we're so Nathan, if you're listening, we want you on the yeah, podcast. If Nathan, if you're here, we want you. We'll we'll pay you in uh, coins. Because that's really all we have, <laughs> and not bitcoins. We're talking like no. real change, the the stuff that has no value. Um, but so each week, that's our plan is to try to come together and to do this with you and with one another. And uh, we just uh, we think it'll turn out well. We hope it turns out well. But uh, if you have questions or comments for us, we really want you guys uh, to be able to chime in, talk with us, and uh, we want to answer them as best we can. Yeah. So, so. text us, email whatever yeah. just get yeah. in touch with us find us on a sunday we'll try to write it down somewhere we can uh talk about anything and everything yeah culture theology yeah so all right well we're getting summoned by a lot of people right now i think when we started this our phones immediately started blowing up so i don't yep. know how we're gonna now there's that. literally someone knocking now at there's the door. literally people knocking at the door and waiting for us so, okay. so um, let's close. so we're gonna close it out guys uh let us know what you think and we'll see you guys next time <laughs>